And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool from Blaze Podcast Network. My name is Cam Edwards. I am joined by the lovely and sleeveless and slinky dressed Miss E. Hello. Hey. Hot stuff. Yada, yada, yada. Literally hot stuff. It's hot <laughs> outside. It's like, what, 90-something with a heat index of a gazillion degrees here in South Central Virginia? Uh, yeah, heat index. We had a heat warning. It was supposed to be somewhere between 100 and 106 Mm. today degrees that was the that was the heat index index. yeah uh so yeah high around 96 tomorrow 97 it sucks it's like 90 percent humidity and it's gross out there right now and we've had like so little rain we've had like maybe 45 minutes of rain in the past month we had a shower one night we had about about a half hour we had about 15 minutes of rain uh the other day and that's it. Yeah, we've been good about to making sure that we get the tomatoes watered when they need to be because they need about an inch of water a week. And with these little showers, they've hardly been getting that. But right. we've been drenching them. We do go we go through when we give the each because our ever it's all in raised beds too, so it's pretty easy to control. So we just completely and totally sit there and just soak it until it doesn't absorb any more water, and then move to the next bed, and then you do it twice, and then usually you get, that's a, a good watering for the week. Or the good watering for two or three days. Yeah, I was going to say, we do it for about two or three days. Yeah. I was actually, we, you watered uh, Saturday morning. Yep. I was thinking about watering Sunday morning, uh, but I was like, well, we just watered yesterday, so I'll, I'll get up early yeah. Monday and I'll, I'll water. You don't uh, want to water too to much. Work. We want to, no, we want but to keep it's it. been so It has been hot, hot. and it gets, it gets drier because, again, it's a raised bed, so it does, you know, same problem. It's easier to water, but also easier to dry up. Um, and But the thing is, is we need to be... we. The we usually don't water because we depend upon Mother Nature, but this year it's not happening. But we have to be consistent because we don't want the tomatoes to crack. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I finally got my weathered update. I see it. Yeah. Heat index of one hundred five right now. Yeah. I'm glad we got our yucky things out of the way early in the day. I know, <laughs> right? And the worst thing is, we we yeah, I'll look at the weather forecast, and it'll always be like you know twenty percent chance of showers, twenty percent chance of showers, until you get like eight or nine days out, and then it's eighty percent chance of showers, and then as you get closer, that eighty percent goes to sixty percent, and then forty percent, and then twenty percent. They lie. They make it up, and then they lie about it. <laughs> as of right now, we have a fifty percent chance on Tuesday. Oh well. Yeah, I know. And then a forty percent chance of Wednesday, and then nothing until like July twenty ninth. But the tomatoes so. and the cucumbers are doing great. We've eaten cucumbers and tomatoes. We have, yeah. And as a matter of fact... As a matter of fact, you, you canned for I, the first time. I did, and it's early. Not first time ever, but Not first time this summer. First, first of the season, first canning of the season. Yes, we have um, a paste bed that has Heinz and Little Napoli's in them. And uh, they've been doing really great. They're a, a determinant, and they've been coming up, and I had a, a window shelf full of ripe tomatoes... And which uh, translated into three pints <laughs> of by the time I peeled them and I packed them pretty packed them solid in the pint jars. But by the time they process, because I'm packing them raw with just salt and citric acid, you have to process it longer than if you did if you boil if you put them in boiling water because the heat car- the water will carry the heat better. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it, it takes more to to uh, takes a longer processing time to make sure that the heat actually 
penetrates all the way in to the solids of the tomato. Gotcha. Kind of thing. Okay. So it took 25 minutes. So by the time that happens, they're cooked. Um, but it's it's hilarious because now the jars are like two thirds filled with tomatoes, right. And one third filled with tomato water, which. Um, I have to say, is a fantastic substitute for tomato juice in a, a Bloody Mary. Okay. It's a clear Bloody Mary. It's a lot lighter because it's not mm-hmm. tomato juice. It's the tomato water, so right. it's more like an essence of tomato. Uh-huh. But you got a little bit of salt and the citric acid in there. Um, I just mix it with um, vodka, like a maybe a dash of Worcestershire and a little bit of hot sauce, and it's and a, and a splash of celery salt. And uh, yeah, it's a really good Bloody Mary. <laughs> but it's a clear. It's a pinkish Bloody Mary. It's not sure because you know the tomato water is kind of like a clearish. Well, sometimes a Bloody Mary can be a little heavy. It's, yeah, it can be with. I mean, I like it with V8, but sometimes some of the tomato juices that are real tomato thick. juice, right? Exactly. Yeah, so that, but, that sounds actually really good for a summer. Yeah, it's more of a refreshing summer kind of uh, tomato veg. So the side, the benefit of canning the uh, raw, and these are they're all they're all pretty consistently small too. I would say only maybe two inches. Two, between two and three inches. Yeah, across. the little Napoli's are about a little bit bigger than a golf ball. The Heinz are a little bit bigger. They're they're smaller than a baseball. Yeah, but, but maybe, a, about, maybe a racquetball maybe, size. Yeah, but they were all pretty a, pretty a small, ball. consistent size to be able to shove them all in mm-hmm. there. So the good, you know, we've got a nice uh, a start to our can collection. Um, but so it's, before we move on, though, and it could, we, we got a lot more to do. I did have a request <laughs> for somebody to uh, to video this, and it's been a while since we've had any. Uh, videos up on our YouTube page, but yeah, just couldn't get it done yesterday. Um, so, can you walk folks through how you would actually can something? Like, so you've got your tomatoes, you've got your your ball jar that you've you've got to wash them right so they're clean. Do you um, do you boil them in water to pasteurize them first? So yeah, wash them in hot soapy water, and then you're going to fill them up halfway with water and put them in the pressure canner, and then you're going to put two or three inches around it, and then you're going to bring that to like a hot simmer, and that's going to disinfect and uh, get the jars hot and ready to can. Okay, do you put the lids in there when you do that? You put the lids and the rings in a separate pot of hot water. You don't want it boiling because you want the lids to get warm too because you want the ring to be warm and flexible so that you get a good seal. Okay. Sorry. So you've you've got all your stuff prepped. Uh, You've got your tomato. And a little trick for for, uh, peeling the tomatoes, I think this is important too, right? Oh, yeah. You just little take take your um, your knife and do a little X across the bottom, drop them in boiling water for like 30 to 60 seconds, and then take them out and put them into ice water. And then you can just work and leave them in sitting in the ice water bath while you're processing all of the rest of them. And then drain them out. And then they pretty just, the these were perfect. They just pretty much popped right out of the skins. Hmm. And then I just took, I have a really cool, I'll have to share a picture of it on Instagram. I don't know whether it's a strawberry knife or it's technically a tomato knife, but it's a small paring knife sized knife with a serrated edge but at the end it has like almost like a little u spear so that you can core things it might be a strawberry knife but it's perfect for this because it actually helps me take out the very top hardest core part of the tomato Mm -hmm. so i skin and peel all of those get my jars hot and ready and then you start working with one jar at a time so you take one of the jars out of the pressure canner because you've where it's sitting in the hot water waiting mm-hmm. to be used. So you're using tongs at this point. You're using all. So the best thing to look at too is I got it on Amazon. It's the um, I think it's like the ball starter kit for canning. Okay. So you get um, you get a magnetic 
little wand thing that you can use one end to put into the jar to help to eliminate air pockets. Okay. And the other end has a magnet, so you can use that to pick up the lids out of the hot water so you don't hurt your hands. Um, And then it has a pair of tongs so you can pick the jars up. It has a pair of other kind of tongs that you can pick the jars up from the the top around. Mm -hmm. I can't explain it. Um, It also came with a nice uh, funnel that fits into both a standard jar and a wide jar. Okay. So for filling food, and then you, yeah, it helps when you're, especially when you're doing like sloppy, lumpy things yeah. like salsa or hot preserves or something. It, that way you're not having to worry about schlepping it over the sides. Gotcha. When you was just working with whole tomatoes, I didn't have to worry about using a funnel. But it's a starter kit for canning, and just go Google it or look it up on Amazon. It was pretty cheap. It's mostly plastic, um, but it lasts for. I've had it since we've moved here, so it's been you know it's seven years old. It gets used. Every time, every single time I can, I pull everything out. Right. The other thing you want to have is a flat space with a towel, because you're pulling these jars out of the hot water. They're going to be damp, so you want to work on a towel. Yeah. So, um, so I take a hot jar out of the hot water, stick it on my towel. I add for every pint jar a quarter quarter of a teaspoon of citric acid and a half a teaspoon of kosher salt. You can get citric acid online. You can get citric acid in the um, I think like a salt and seasoning section of your grocery store. They okay. have it in the canning section if they have a canning section at like Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, <clears throat> then I just shove all the tomatoes in as much as I can, and I leave about an inch of head space. And that's the empty space at the top of the jar. Using my little handy dandy wand with the magnetic end, I get a hot lid. Okay. Put it down. First, I wipe off any anything that's accumulated on the lip. You want to make sure you have a real clean lip. Okay. With a, a paper towel, and if you're doing anything like has soup, like a like a soup or a meat or anything, mm-hmm. you want a paper towel that's soaked in vinegar because you want to make sure that there's no fat or any grease left on the lip. Gotcha. So that's a trick. Anyway, so just give it a wipe off, put the lid down, and put the ring on, and screw it down tight, and then use the picker-upper type of tongs, because you want to keep everything flat. You don't mm-hmm. want to be sloshing it around. Um, then you use those to put it into... The, cash, the pressure canner and then grab the next one and just keep repeating until you've got as many full jars as you can. In this case, we ended up with only three pints. Okay. So then you have to go through and then you follow the directions in the ball book on preserving on how to pressure can. Because um, at this point, because there's no hot water or no sauce for that, it has mm-hmm. to be pressure can. There's a lot of acid and salt, so it might be okay to water bath it, but you mm-hmm. don't want to take the chance because it's whole food and you're leaving it you know this is the point of it is to save up right so you have to process it for 25 minutes at 11 pounds of pressure which means um you put the jars in you lock your lid you take off the little venti thing and you have to have steam spewing through that vent hole for 10 minutes and then you put it back on and then you wait to build up the pressure and then when you get to 11 pounds of pressure then you start the timer for 25 minutes okay not before not when you put everything in you started when you hit your 11 pounds of pressure and you try to maintain it and you have to stand there sometimes and let a little steam off and maybe lower the heat um but you got to keep you know keep an eye on it because yeah. you don't want it to go out of control because right. the people who walk away from pressure canners are the people who end up with the lids shoved through the ceiling because they've blown up. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I have never, ever had an accident with my pressure can. Because you're always there because watching. Because I'm there watching. I don't have to stand over it, but I you know, walk back and forth and keep an eye. If it gets over 15, 14 pounds, I let off a little bit of pressure by lifting up the little wobbly thing. I can't mm-hmm. remember what it's called. I think it's a regulator or something. Anyway, time's up. Beep, beep, beep. Slide it off the heat. And now you can ignore it for a while. Wait till it comes all the way down to zero. When it comes down to zero, pull off that little regulator thing to make sure that there's no pressure because that's going to let some pressure out because right. that's a steam vent. Um, and then you can twist it, take it off, carefully lift the jars out. Put using them, the tongs because they're going to the be really, really hot. They're like a gazillion <laughs> degrees hot. As a matter of fact, um, after I took all three jars off out of the can, I put them on a towel, left them on the island overnight. Don't aim, don't touch them. Don't do anything. Maybe sop up a little extra water that might be on the top. Mm-hmm. Um uh, you could see that the insides were still boiling. Like an hour later. An hour later. Yeah. You, you could see that it, it was still moving on the counter. So they stay hot for a very, very long time. So it's really a good idea to get that whole little starter canning kit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a we have a 23-quart, uh, what is it called? I think, I think it's called a Presto standard canner thing. Okay. Um, and it holds seven... Quart or pint because they're about the same width, diameter around yeah. width around seven of those at once on a flat twenty three quarts twenty would probably hold five I okay think. so um I just went for the biggest one because I'm uh, you know makes more sense it doesn't right. matter if I'm doing three jars or seven jars I'm still breaking it, breaking it out regardless yeah. so just get the tools that's right for you okay but, so we um so so we we can the tomatoes we got three or our first pints of the of the season yay uh and then we also missy e, uh read that our our favorite local orchard was opening up for the season this this past weekend so uh saturday we got up and we did some morning chores what did we do yesterday morning i wrote a couple of stories and, and you I watered the chicken, us, right? chicken yard gate and uh and, and then we uh, headed <clears throat> off to the orchard for peaches yes uh and we got Three quarters of a bushel. Three pecks. Three pecks. Which is three quarters of a bushel because there's okay. four bushels in a peck or four pecks in a bushel. Oh, okay. But they were selling them by the peck, so we just bought three. So when you love someone a bushel and a peck, you really love, love them a lot. Yeah, that's Almost a lot two of bushels, peaches, right? <laughs> it would have been a lot of peaches. Well, that's a bushel and a quarter. A bushel and a peck. You're right. Because a right. peck is a quarter bushel. You're right. You're right. Okay. I was thinking what we bought. So, yes, when you love someone in Bushel and a Peck. And they're Clingstone, and I don't know what kind they were. Because so, what is the difference between a Clingstone and cling, a Freestone? Freestone and Clingstone. Clingstone. Clingstones are the ones that... Uh, you got to cut out. They're a pain in the butt because the, the the flesh is ridiculously adhered to the Gotcha. Pit. And the Freestone is more... And the more. Freestone is more like you can uh, cut it around a circle, give it mm. a twist, and it pops right out. Yeah. Those okay. are so much easier <laughs> to can. These are not as easy to can. Yeah, these are the first peaches of the season uh it was great to get out for a little bit and uh, and get these peaches and uh missy has some peach ice cream that is chilling right now yes Um, so last night um i took three of the peaches and chopped them up with a little bit of sugar and nothing else and i put them on the stove top and i let them cook until they got really soft and kept mashing them up finally stuck the immersion blender in there really pureed the crap out of them and then i cooked it down low 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 until it reduced by about half so i could seriously concentrate that peach flavor mm-hmm. and then today when i was started when i made the ice cream i took 
six more peaches, put them through the, the food processor, and then added that to the puree, and then mixed that into the ice cream base. Oh, nice. So, And it's a pastry cream-based ice cream base. So it's um, milk, eggs, sugar, and a little bit of flour. Wow. to help bind it. So it's going to be a really rich and creamy ice cream. It's probably best like a soft serve. But I tasted the batter before I put it in the fridge to chill, and it really tastes yummy. So, I, I am excited about this. Yeah, so peach uh, ice cream. And then this sometime this week, I'm going to be canning these peaches. So, yeah, so we can talk about that maybe on the next week's show. The difference between canning peaches and canning tomatoes uh, is, is really the liquid that that is going to be in, right? Yeah. So you're going to want to make it a little simple here. But we can talk about that on... Uh, the next 40 acres in yes. the full. How about yeah. we do that? that? That sounds like we've already got a good topic. But uh, it is it is cool to see the 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 prepping for winter uh, underway. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because uh, for it, us with tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and with the with the peaches too, because you know you pulled out, you made this. I didn't realize this was going to be the culinary episode that it is, but uh, you made. This fantastic peach cobbler, first of all, mm. uh, the other night. And then we had some fresh blueberries, and so you made a peach and blueberry cobbler. But the peaches were from last year last year that when you I, had canned. Right, and last year I canned it as peach pie filling. Yeah, so. and and we had cobbler and we had pie all through the winter, which was awesome. And then, like, pulling it out this summer. Mm. So I love the fact that, you know... We, I mean, peaches are kind of an extravagant thing. It's not like, you know, we're canning green beans or, right. you know, stuff like that. But it is really nice, especially when it's cold and awful outside and it's snowy or it's been rainy for like a week and a half. It's nice to pull out that little bit of summer yeah. and make a pie. Because peaches are totally a cobbler. just a, you know, for Virginia, peaches are just a, like a July to August, early September thing. You're lucky yeah. if you can still get them in September. Right. Because last year when we went and got the or the peaches and the apples that we got, we it got was it was the first week of, of September, but it was a tail end of peaches and pears. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made a, and I, I'm already getting requests from uh, Kid 3 because he loved the pear cobbler that I made <laughs> uh, with the fresh pears. So, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, when we go back, if we go back, or we'll keep an eye on when pears are in are, are uh, good around here um, but yeah uh, the other thing we have is I think I still got like six quarts of apple pie slices and Ooh, like nice. nine quarts of applesauce wow. so we're good for applesauce All I'm right. not making any more applesauce anytime soon I have to make more pork chops <laughs> holy moly so I was uh, I was doing some chores this morning I had put off I guess the last time I did this is probably March or April. Uh, clean out the chicken coop, and it's like, oh, okay, I gotta go do it, and it's so hot. So, got up first thing this morning and did it, and I needed to clean out the pig pen too. Same chore. I was dealing with a lot of poop this morning, and uh, those duty. pigs are big. Yeah, they're getting really. They are getting really big. Yeah, I went in there. To, I'm excited. Somehow, one of the I guess. Somebody must have dropped it and didn't get it, but one of the feed buckets ended up in there, mm-hmm. and it got all muddy and rained on. And I went in there to grab it, and there were also a couple of extra uh, rubber food buckets, and we put a we use one to put an extra water out for the goats. But anyway, I went to grab them, and I walked in there, and they're all, of course, coming at me because they're thinking, rah, 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 rah. and I was like, holy moly, you guys are getting enormous. So yeah, yeah they really are getting tall and plump and yeah. juicy. And, and yesterday they got, uh, I think, a half a dozen. Uh, old apples 
chopped up. We gave them those with their dinner. Yep. Yeah, and some leftover pizza. <laughs> <laughs> the cheese pizza. The cheese pizza. I can't. I even when we have leftover pepperoni pizza, I actually pull the pepperoni off before I pe- feed the pizza to the pigs because it's weird about feeding pigs pepperoni. Right. I'm not yeah. gonna feed the pigs pork. It's just there's something really wrong with nah. it. It's like giving a chicken nugget to the chickens. You I totally. I no. Totally. <laughs> totally get it. So it's just weird. But the, yeah. The, the nice thing is though. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we had put the the hog waterer, which is you know big rain bucket, basically probably what, thirty gallon. No, it's fifty gallons. Fifty gallons, um, and it's got a little metal nipple, and it's got a uh, a little it's got like a cup water snout. dish, yeah, yeah. That, that they can hit with their snout, and it'll release some water. I don't know that they use that, but they definitely use the the nipples to drink off. That's of. good. It's like it's like it's like a big black water barrel. That has two of these little sucking straws coming out the side. And they have like, um, it's almost like a little valve in it. And so all they have to do is put their mouth around it like a straw. And when they start sucking on it, the valve releases the water. So they're, mm-hmm. they're sucking in fresh water because we're constantly filling it from the top all the time. But yeah, I, I built this a couple, when we first had pigs, it was the first, first incarnation of the pig water was just with the snouty thing. But yeah. the littler ones weren't getting it, so I had to reinvent it. And they're called—they're just called pig nipples. You can look up in watering systems, and it was pretty easy because I just bought a a barrel from one of those huge farm swaps. I just mm-hmm. bought one of those giant black plastic rain barrels. Um, you just gave it a wash, and then you just use some plumber's tape around the pig. You 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 cut a good small hole. Just got to get it tight. Wrap some plumber's tape around it and just screw it right into the side. Yeah. It's really easy. There, There is a small leak in there. But for the but summer, Lisa gives them a little dampness on the ground on that area. Right. And I did, uh, when I was in there, I was like, all right, I saw where they had a couple of wallows that they had made back when we were just... Before we had the pig water in there, and we yeah. were just filling up a water dish multiple times a day for them. Yeah, because they kept knocking it over to make themselves some right. To swim. So you'd fill it up like four times a day, and they probably drink twice, and then they yeah. just you know spill it their other time. So I, I did give them a little bit. I sprayed the hose down and, and gave them a little bit of water in their wallow so that oh, good. they could have a place to get muddy and cool. They and are large black. They are, and I and I, <laughs> I actually when I had the hose, I put it to like the misting setting. And they did not run away. They were standing there, and I got them nice and wet. And oh, they were good. just enjoying getting the soaking. Oh, good. Because uh, sometimes I mean, our, our old pigs used to love it. I mean, they would just, you know, oh, yeah, spray me down with the hose, please. And they would wiggle. It was so mm-hmm. funny. They would, like, jump and wiggle when you get the hose. It was it was really cute. They would really like it so much. But these aren't as much. They, they didn't like it at first. At first, they were freaking out about it. But as long as you keep it light, you know, if you go, you know. Right. No, I wasn't going <laughs> to. High pressure hose them or anything like that. No, it was just a it was a gentle cooling mist. Yes, uh, and then the uh, the goats have uh, have still managed to stay out of the tomatoes. They are running loose around the farm, and but they're trimming down a lot of bushes. Yeah, they are. They I, we're we're not going to need to cut back the blueberry bushes nearly as much now because they've done a pretty good number on them. That's good. They uh, next year we put the electronet around the blueberry bushes. Right. <laughs> The thing that drives me crazy is that there we have a lot of like so we have a lot of black walnut trees and we've just got random black walnut trees popping up everywhere. They don't eat the black walnut saplings. They don't eat the little locust saplings. They eat like the hydrangea bushes that are yeah. outside of the window, like outside the of the kitchen window. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 
they, you know, it's like, okay, I want you to eat more of the stuff that we that we don't want around here. You yeah. know, like they found the fig tree today. Oh, yeah. and it's like, ah. They've so, eaten that down a couple of times and it just keeps popping it, I mean, back. yeah, they, it, right, that's the thing. It'll always, most of it will come back. But, yeah. But, uh. But they never eat what you want them to eat. Right. <laughs> we have a lot of scrub and stuff that they could actually chow down on. Yes, yeah, um, they but could, but no. But they are actually eating um, some of those other, uh, they like those leaves from those other crazy the, we call them the, tree, zebra, the zebra trees, whatever they are. The, those crazy little invasive things. They are eating those. They, oh, that's good. They do like the leaves of those. So they will, they will um, jump up. They will get up on their back legs and mm-hmm. use their front feet to pull a branch down, so they can hold it down with their body while they eat the leaves. Okay. So Darlib, Freckles, and um, Fern and Twilight are all eating those. Those bushes. All least. right. Well, we've got a lot of them popping up in the yard. I actually haven't had a mow in like two weeks because it's been so dry. But we have a lot of these little. So the the quote unquote zebra trees we call them that because they have a striped trunk and I I don't know what they are I've tried to look them up but they're like I, a giant weed yeah that they're is a, a tree right and so you'll get new shoots coming up off of the roots yeah, the roots they, will just shoot out you know thirty yeah. feet away and all of a sudden bloop you've got these little tiny uh, trees that get popped up and so that's what I've got growing right now is not grass or anything just um, some trees so if the goats are going to eat that then well, that's fine. We are also probably going to say goodbye for a few months to Monty and Squeak this week. Yeah. Um, because uh, Charlie's needs them. Yeah. And they need to go to work and start keeping the uh, the uh, embankment eaten down. Right. And they're totes adorbs, so people are going to absolutely love them. Yes. And at some point, uh, Twilight's Girl series and Demeter... We'll probably head down there as well. I actually saw them getting a drink off of Mom this morning, and I was kind of surprised because they're. I mean, I guess they'll they'll keep going as long as Twilight Some's lets Twilight them. Twilight lets them. She, after a while, she'll be like, "Get away from me!" And she'll stop that. She'll put a stop to that. But they're old enough to not have to nurse on Mom anymore. So are the other two, and they still take advantage of. Yeah, them. I know. Well, they're not going to be able to take advantage of it much longer. But if you are in the Farmville, Virginia area, you can come by and see the goats yes. because they'll be uh, hanging out at Charlie's Waterfront Cafe and Wine Bar in the Virginia Tasting Cellar, uh, located on the banks of the Appomattox River, in a beautiful downtown farmville so i think that uh about does it for this week's edition of 40 acres in a full i do want to thank you for being a part of the program as always do we have anything anything important we've got our anniversary coming up here in a couple weeks but yeah uh, 23 years but there's no official present for 23 years it goes from 20 to 25 to 30 well we decided yes yeah, <laughs> so we decided the 23rd anniversary is um 80s movies on blu-ray yes is actually what that is so we're gonna get a couple of those yes i'm getting uh you're getting me xanadu i mm-hmm. believe right yep and i think you got you found a uh, john hughes block for me yes with like breakfast club, breakfast club pretty and, in pink yeah 16 candles and i think one more yeah i think there's another one but i was like oh yeah that'll oh do. no 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 what we decided on no we decided on purple rain oh that's right yeah we because i don't actually have that on and, blu-ray yeah we're gonna get that on blu-ray instead so we're gonna have a uh hang on one second before we say goodbye all righty sorry about that just had the uh oldest kid in the house come home and set the dogs to a bark and so yeah we'll have an 80s themed uh, we, we, we were thinking about this the other night and maybe this would be a great topic for uh, anybody who wants to chime in via email what is a good 80s food yeah what's 80s food I remember like quiche came out and sushi started to be a thing 
but I don't want to quiche and sushi together. So <laughs> no. one or the other would be good. But like, what were some of the? I know the uh, nouvelle cuisine was an '80s thing where you got like everything was tiny on giant plates, mm-hmm. and you spend a lot of money, but you didn't get a lot of food. Right? Yeah, that yeah. was a thing. So what is what is what is your '80s food? French onion soup, I think, was another yeah. one that they say was like a, an '80s thing. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I didn't think that was like a late '70s. Into I think the that 80s. was. Yeah, I think for me that was more of a late '70s thing because we had that at my house a lot. Yeah, it was one of the, my mom's favorite things to make. I remember there was a, with the bread and the cheese toasting thing, and there was a chain called Steak and Ale. I remember uh, that, and I would always get the French onion soup at steak and ale when I, I was like five. Them. Yeah, right. So I was that's, like seventy nine or eighty. You were that's pretty, uh, pretty um, sophisticated soup. I for had a, a sophisticated palate. Well, you had you had very old parents. I did have old parents. <laughs> you had old people tasting food yes. by the. I mean, you yeah you. Were, I didn't have old people tasting food. I never like like liver. Or <laughs> no, I like know. That, but uh, but you had you you know your kids your parents you didn't grow up on like kid food. Uh, at all, I don't no. think. No, yeah. <laughs> I mean every now a little bit of kid food, but uh, but I, I was experimental, you yeah. Know? And they would let me like I got to try escargot, um, yeah. But you were drinking, you were like eating cream of mushroom soup, and you were like two or something crazy, right? No, With one of your favorite no, that was my up. yeah. When I was in kindergarten, my favorite meal was cream of mushroom soup and a bologna and cheese sandwich, and I had that every day for like a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I remember we went to uh, Crabtown in Oklahoma City when uh, Kid 3 was a baby, and I think we had people visiting, and we were all sitting down and eating dinner, and he wasn't old enough to have milk yet, and you're sitting there eating, and you're feeding him cream of mushroom and crab soup, <laughs> and I look down, and he's nom, 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 and on the spoon, and I'm like, oh, they have all the allergies, but he, he was fine, and everything was good, no problems with him the next day. Well, that was lactate. Maybe that was it. So. <laughs> But uh, but but yes, if you have an '80s food, something that just screams 1980s uh, for you, let us know because we're we're thinking about what we're going to do for our anniversary dinner. So uh, the email address is 40acrefool at gmail.com. That's 40acrefool at gmail.com. You can also find um, us on Facebook, Corny Goat Farm. Yep. You can find Miss E on Instagram at Corny Goat Farm. That's Corny with a C. Corny yeah, Goat not Farm. You can find me on Twitter at Cam Edwards. You can find me on. You can find my Instagram page, but you won't find me on Instagram uh, these days because I'm hardly really yeah. ever there. But uh, <laughs> it's Cam Edwards as well. And uh, and we are gonna. I would. So I, one of the things that I want to start trying to do more of. I was thinking about it this weekend. We were going back to the video of the canning stuff. We should do more on your Instagram page. We don't have to necessarily do something for the YouTube channel. We could just do an Instagram live. Oh yeah, I can never figure out. I'm. Like I the, can do that. I'm part. the worst part about trying to figure well, out. How I am to use your. That I am your Instagram boyfriend, so I can. I can take care of the tech end. All you have to do is be the pretty face. <coughs> That's funny. So maybe we'll do. We'll try to do maybe that uh, at some point. Maybe when you're canning peaches. Hmm. We'll try to experiment with that. Okay. We can try something. All right. Well, listen, thank you again for being a part of the program. Hopefully uh, things are well in your world. We do love to hear from our listeners just randomly. You know, one of the things that makes this so much fun is the community that we have. So uh, please feel free to drop us an email at 40acrefool at gmail.com. Snail mail address, by the way, if you want to drop us an old-fashioned letter, P.O. Box 817, Farmville, Virginia. 23901 dash 0817. We did get a letter. I wrote back too. 
Well, then there you go. So there That's go. what happens when, and we when you send And we did get it. We have got an email, but we're, it's getting late. We'll, we'll talk about the emails next time we have Yes, apologies podcast. for that. We will get to uh, all of our emails and more next time. Uh, but again, thank you. Oh, should probably plug the Patreon page, too. Yeah. If you just can't get enough after this particular podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash Edwards, where we are now offering the foul language uncensored after show, <laughs> uh, as well as a, a new podcast that's going to be um, uh, outside of the paywall, just available for everybody, because uh, it's, it's kind of a niche thing, but I'm a history nerd, and uh, I'm getting my history on with the Anti-Communist Book Club. Don't rustle the plastic. Sorry. The Anti-Communist Book Club. The uh, first episode's going up this week as well, so you can find that at patreon.com slash Cam Edwards. All right. Enough of the shameless plugs yep. and ways to contact us. Until we talk again, be safe, have fun, live a little, learn a lot. And make stuff. And we'll see you soon with another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on Blaze Podcast Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network.